The opinions and views expressed in this program do not reflect those of KUCI, its management, or the UC Board of Regents. To find out more about this talk show or other talk shows broadcasting on KUCI, log on to our website at KUCI.org or check out the latest program guide. listening to KUCI 88.9 FM in Irvine. This is Socially Distanced. Uh, and I, I'm not going to do the bit. I'm Paxson Wright. With me is Justin Kiever. You know, I, I was going to... Uh, yeah, you're, yeah, you know, I'm Justin Kiever. The bit is over. Finally, we can move on. Exactly. Now, now you can all get off the edges of your seats. For those who missed it, uh, we were doing a hilarious bit the last few weeks where we weren't saying who was who. And it was, you know, we were throwing you for a curveball, but it was so funny. It. We didn't actually record the episode. Like, you know, we were just laughing for the full hour. It was great content. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You know, <sighs> it was, uh, we, it was, uh, uh, it was a laugh a minute. And if you missed out, I'm sorry, but you can also listen to the show on Apple podcasts and Spotify. If you're so pleased, KUCI colon socially distanced. That's an option. Um, I don't know what happened there. I turned into like, <laughs> I turned into like was... fat Sebastian Maniscalco. I don't really know <laughs> what that was, <laughs> but uh, <sighs> anyway, anyway, that's not me. I'm not Sebastian Maniscalco with big old jowls. I'm just Paxton Wright with, I mean, I like to think normal size jowls. Um, and really, no, no comment. I really hope that's how the world sees my jowls. Um, but I don't know. Anyway, uh, we are going to do, we were going to talk about news in the first half and we weren't going to do an hour long feast because we were like, we've been doing too many feasts and we promise we've been doing too many hour long feasts and we promised the audience that we'd start doing more news again. Well, guess what? We're doing more feasts uh, because the only thing we could think of to talk about is Sora and smash. Frankly, neither of us care. Do you care, Justin? <gasps> no, <laughs> it's fine. He's, he's in smash. You know what? It's, it's fine. We, we really, I think we said all we needed to say when Minecraft Steve got added, who cares? Did, did Bayonetta three get announced at that same Sora thing? It did. Well, Bayonetta three has been announced, but actual footage was shown or okay. I don't even know if it was footage, but a d- discussion that it really is happening was okay. <laughs> happened so it, bayonetic uh, 3 was acknowledged news and... on the march bayonetta 3 <laughs> continues to exist um and the lusitania has been sunk but more <laughs> on bayonetta 3 <laughs> uh, yeah dear. so uh, anyway 
we could talk about Sora, but we don't care. And honestly, you as the listener, yeah. you don't care to hear us talk about a thing we don't care about. You, you know what I care about, Paxton, more than Sora? I care about Goop from Outer Space. That's right. We're talking <laughs> We're about, talk about Flubber. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, man. I don't know. I've been I've been pretty deep into like the the Flubber fandom for a long time, and I've just never really I've never really broached the subject on this show. But um, yeah, I'm a flubhead through and through. Can't deny it. Uh, love that little guy. Uh, he's always just goofing around, screwing things up for Robin Williams. What? Oh, he's a menace, that guy, that flubber. So a flubber is like, I never saw a flubber. I Not saw a million ads for flubber like on the Disney channel. Like there was like, I swear, like that was the only ad they had was for flubber. And then that one ad that was like where two toddlers would tell you why you should buy the new Mickey Mouse DVD. I can't believe I had a brain blast about this, but wait, were you just by two toddlers talking about Disney DVDs? Were you talking about uh, Mike's Super Short Show? I sure was. Wow. Why did I remember that? Anyway. Also, that... <laughs> a brain blast. Are you Are you Jimmy Neutron? I don't know, man. <laughs> I think I'm regressing to the third grade. I think it's my only way to cope with this nightmare of a world we live in. Uh, <laughs> but... uh. I, I'm sorry. We, ta- we, we talked about this the other day. I sent it to you, but I saw a video on TikTok that made me viscerally <laughs> upset. And it was a cameo of it was a cameo from <laughs> Nigel Farage saying big chungus and among us memes. And I, I just realized this is this is what the end of days looks like. This is how this is how the world burns. And this is just what our, our this is what we have to accept now. Uh, there's something man cam- cameo is weird cameo like, is weird can't, like just like the idea of like hey like buy a celeb for 15 seconds to say whatever nonsense you can think like it's kind of it's not the worst thing to happen in the world it's just like a weird sort of like feels like an extension of like it's like the celebs are experiencing kind of like the micro celebrity of social media, right? Like it's kind of like, like the, the rise and grind of being a celeb. Cause it's like, cause it's like, you know, I can't do a cameo because no one wants to make, you know, Justin say like big chungus or whatever. Cause I mean, there you go. There's the soundbite. You can cut it yourself and, you know, use it however you want. Ooh. But, um, but, but yeah, I don't know. It's just like such a weird, like, it's such a weird thing. I, I will say, I will say, I, uh, A, I bought a cameo before. I bought a cameo <laughs> for my buddy from Rachel Dolezal. And uh, <laughs> that same buddy, I'll, he did me, he did me one better. He one upped me. He one upped me. And I, and I can't pretend he didn't. He got me a cameo of, chris hansen from to catch a predator accusing me of being a pedophile and (laughs) the best part the best part i i figured when i saw it because chris hansen is dropping is dropping 
just fire one liner. In fact, you know what? That's going to be the intermission. That's going to be our, we're not doing music for our intermission. I'm just going to play the audio from my cameo from Chris Hansen. Uh, but he is dropping banger one liners after one liners. He's hilarious. And my friend is a very funny guy too. So I just assumed my friend told him like, here's all the things to say. Be sure you call him this. Be sure you say this, blah, blah, blah. Nope. Turns out all my friend did was say, Hey, Chris Hansen, Accuse my friend of being a pedophile. Go. And Chris Hansen took it and ran with it. He called, he says, uh, he says, like, hey, Paxton, I uh, I guess I should refer to you by your secret screen name, Packin Paxton69. He's like, he's like, Paxton, why do you know the age of consent in every state in America? <laughs> Having the context that he was going off the cuff with this made me realize that Chris Hansen wow. really had the potential to have a great career in improv comedy. Chris Hansen could have been part of a UCB. There's so much more he could have done than trying to, you know, chase down YouTubers like he's doing now. Yeah. Yeah. Um, oh, that's incredible. And I'm, I didn't know that Rachel Dolezal was on Cameo. Rachel Dolezal is on Cameo and people have taken it and run with it. Uh They've gotten Ooh, her to boy. say extraordinary things. Extraordinary <laughs> things. Uh, uh, n- never mind. As the world ends, cameos are one light in the darkness. <laughs> I've changed my mind. You know, um, there's so, I'm sorry, Rod Blagojevich is on cameo. There's, you, oh, there was, okay. So I, I guess I shouldn't, I don't know. Uh, I listened to it like a two hour interview with Rod Blagojevich um, the other day, and it was weirdly fascinating and like, like this wild mix of like someone still kind of like uh, defending the system that put them away, but also it's it's just really interesting to hear like th- th- this. It's really interesting. It really really interesting to hear a politician talk about prison. That and kind of like have that sort of like yeah, and sort of like have like there still be like this sort of like this remnant of kind of like the. The, the the politician kind of like a uh, way of speaking while that is also inflected with a sort of like a casualness that sort of that comes from being in prison for so long it was a really fascinating interview who did um, that interview because i that was a that, okay so that was, that was a chapo trap house episode he was on chapo really he was on chapo felix Biederman um that's uh, inter- interviewed him it was it was fascinating like i really recommend it like even if you're not like you know, like I know people have their problems with Trap a Trap House, but like just as in terms of kind of like a retrospective on like a, a the life of a man and a kind of like a moment in American politics that I feel like was kind of huge for a while. Like I watched Jon Stewart talk about Rod Blagojevich for like yeah. what felt like a year. Rod Blagojevich. Um, yeah. 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 Exactly. That was the bit every yeah. time. Um, yeah. It, it's, it was pretty fascinating. Like if you can, I think it's online for free. If you can find it, like maybe I, check I, it out. I will be listening to that. Absolutely. Anyway, we were going to talk about Venom too. When we were talking about Space Goop earlier, we, we kind of <laughs> lost the plot there. Just like how Venom 2 loses the plot from four seconds in. Hey, oh, <laughs> the old razzle dazzle. <laughs> <laughs> anyway so what's venom 2 about i, saw I don't know it's venom. bad man it's pretty <laughs> stupid but i kind of had the best time at the movies with it that i've had since well since old and so i guess <laughs> it's the best time i've had at the movies and since the last time i've been to the movies <laughs> but it's a- 
the best time I had in the movie since all you can just put that on the DVD jacket. You know what you can put on the on old too? Another quote from me that's completely sincere. The best time I've had at the movies since cats. So just a real line of winners, even though. At least I at least I saw Fast and Furious 9 in the theaters. That was You had that going for you. Hey, I'll be seeing No Time to No Time to Die in Halloween 2, probably. I'll probably see those. We'll see some Halloween real two? movies. Oh, oh, Halloween as Halloween well, sorry. kills. Okay, yeah. Um, you go see Rob Zombie's Halloween. Halloween two. two. Like, oh, they're showing that. Um, I just want to have profanity screamed at me for two hours. That's really that's really what I want in my horror movie. Speaking of Rob Zombie, I watched an episode of The Adams Family for the first time in a while, and just like the entire time, the original just had Adams Family, the well, yeah, like the well, the fifties Adams Family, yeah. you know, with a with a Sean Astin's dad and all that, which is a great show, by the way. Um, and then just but the whole time, just kind of had Dracula playing in the back, like in my mind, just sort of like <laughs> I hope they break out their Dracula. <laughs> I can take what's in my head and start singing it to the person I'm watching this show with, so they'll hate me. Because that, because that song is a classic. Yeah. It's really good. Yeah, it's a really good song. You know, so Venom Two. Oh God, Venom Two. Hey, this show is off the rails, man. I, I I'll yeah. you know give a peek behind the curtain. I said a, I, I said the big word you're not supposed to say on the radio earlier. So there was an edit earlier. This show is, and I've never done that in my. I've been at KUCI for over two years now, and I have never, ever dropped a bomb while recording. And I just dropped my first bomb while recording a few minutes ago. Again, uh, edited that's out right. He said, mm, never mind. I, was gonna... uh, I know. I was trying to get something in the bank for in case you dropped it, and then I couldn't get anything either. Y- yeah. Anyway, I said Florence Pugh. I don't know. It starts with an How F. How dare it's, you? It's something. <laughs> I like Florence Pugh. I don't know. She's a talented lady. <laughs> I don't know. Venom 2. Um, Venom 2 is... Uh, okay. Okay, let me actually... Let me break down my succinct thoughts on Venom 2. Because I think... I think they're the same thoughts that people had on Venom 1. I should also clarify, I never saw Venom 1. I just went right into the deep end with 2. Uh, because I was with my friend... And we were like, hey, you want to go see No Time to Die tonight? And he was like, sure. And then we were like, well, should we reserve tickets? And it was a Sunday night. And we're like, ah, we'll just show up to the theater. Um, for some reason, we didn't even think to check Showtime. I don't know what. I should be clear. We were stone cold sober. We weren't like we weren't like a mess. We're like, let's just go to the theater and walk in. No, we were like, let's go to the theater. I don't know what time it's playing. We'll just go. It'll probably be playing soon. And uh, we drove there. And we got there and we're like, why is No Time to Die not on the marquee? And then we looked at our phones and we saw that No Time to Die wasn't even out yet. And we were like, oh, whoops, what do we see? And then we're like, well, Venom 2 is about to start. Do we just uh, make a, 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 a really inspired decision and hop into that? And you know what? I'm glad we did. I'm really glad we did. Um because my takeaway from Venom 2, ultimately, again, like I think people sort of had with the first one, uh, it's a mess. It's uh, pacing is all over the place. It feels like it was written by a 13-year-old boy with, AD, with unmedicated ADHD. Um, it is 
uh, it is a real shock to the senses through and through with a sense of humor that sometimes kind of lands and sometimes falls like shockingly painfully flat and it's kind of awesome it's kind of a because it weirdly it has this thing about it that i can't quite put into words in that it feels so tone deaf and so like unconfident and so confused like has has such an identity crisis and yet it also feels tongue-in-cheek but not a hundred percent tongue-in-cheek it's so hard to break down. And Justin, as someone who's seen Venom 1, would you say that is more or less the case with that movie or how do those differ? Uh, y- y- no, that's that's basically the same. I was honestly, I was kind of thinking maybe they'll figure it out a little more in Venom 2. It sounds like they didn't. Oh no. Um, <laughs> which is good, honestly. Cause I mean, yeah, like Venom 1, I, to be honest, remember basically nothing about it. I remember Tom Hardy's accent basically changed with like every word he said. That's still the and, case. And okay, good. I would have it. <laughs> I wouldn't have it any other way. Uh, yeah, I don't know. Like it was like kind of funny, but not really. It was kind of fun, but not really. Like it wasn't a good movie. I like. I don't remember a thing about it. There was like an evil corporation or something, and there was like a venom. And then the Venom fought the other Venom. There was a Lady Venom briefly, and that was pretty cool. And like, it's not good, but also it like felt so. Th- th- this is weird. Like, so off mic, we uh, Pax and I were talking about just the the Marvel movies and just how we don't like them. And the the thing that I will grant Venom is like hey it's a marvel movie that feels like from the era of like i can't believe we're looking back i'm looking back on this with any kind of nostalgia but from like the kind of like the mid 2000s era where like it feels like x-men 3 it feels like fantastic 4 it feels like like that weird period of movies yeah like like where you can have these movies that just kind of like don't make sense and aren't good but you could do that then right like you know like remember when you could just make a bad like a bad superhero movie yeah and like and not in the way that like uh what's uh what's his name um the uh like the the batman guy uh oh zach snyder yeah like and not in like zach snyder kind of bad just sort of like a thing that is trying to be pg-13 fun but is just a mess yeah like, I feel like if, like, Venom came out, like, from what little I remember, because, I, again, I remember, like, nothing about it. But if it came out, like, 15 years ago, it would just would have been, like, lost with, like, Daredevil or whatever. But, like, you know, now it's sort of, like, it, all, it feels, like, weirdly full of life. Yes, that's exactly, that's, I could not have put it better myself. That is exactly what Venom 2 is. And like, I think one of the other things I really actually, I genuinely admired about it, like whether, uh, and it, it, it is due in part to what you're describing where superhero movies existed to be a, just a movie that made money and not a movie to make money and also help a bunch of other movies make money at the same time, which is what they are now. It feels small scale and it's a in it, something about that that I really admire because like the last superhero movie I actually enjoyed and to this day highly recommend and I think I've talked about it on the show before but it was Shazam I loved Shazam Shazam for the same reason 
Shazam is a far more competently made movie than than Venom. I do want to clarify, but it's the same deal of tiny story, one one protagonist hero man person, one kind of forgettable villain who's just sort of there to deliver a conflict. Which is a shame that they really Woody Harrelson as Carnage is so forgettable. I will say that it is it is a shame. Um, yeah, weird casting. That, that, is, that for, is a shame. It is weird casting for Cletus Cassidy, but it, it is. <laughs> It is, it is, he is a boring villain. Um, mm-hmm. But point being, tiny scale story that doesn't feel like it's connected to any big franchise, um, which, and I, here's spoilers for Venom too. Um, and I guess spoilers for Shazam. Shazam ends with a stinger. So throughout the movie Shazam, they talk about Batman. They talk about Superman and oh, how cool it would be to meet them. But oh, shucks, you know, I'm just some kid with, with powers. I don't know. Really, uh. And then at the very end, there's a stinger where Superman walks up to him and it's like, oh, uh, Venom 2, I at least had the hopes because of all these shenanigans with Marvel and Sony and who owns the right to the Spider-Man's characters and Venom 1 being a totally standalone thing apart from Marvel. Uh, Venom 2, that was one thing I was excited about as I was watching it as i was like look at this no mention of spider-man this is great and then i am what then it gets to the stinger midway into the credits and it's eddie brock watching tv and then who do i hear but uh what's his name the guy from whiplash oh uh jk simmons i hear jk simmons voice talking about peter parker on the tv and i was like no 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 (laughs) and then spider-man shows up and then i just got sad i was like at least let this thing be its thing it's weird bizarre no uh, no just let it continue to have its identity crisis that's where it's charmed from everything joins the mcu sooner or later (laughs) you and i will live in the mcu (laughs) and we will be advertising the next tom holland film is that what um, the singularity looks like pretty much yeah it's just like you know it's every country but the united states on fire and then like the united states is just absorbed into the marvel cinematic universe and we live in a swirling torment like you know just like torrent of media you know that is sustained by the fires that consume the rest of the world I feel like I'm not being far off. No, you're not. Right That's now. My face in my face in the Zoom camera is this weird, unholy combination of giddy laughter and like immense sadness. <laughs> Folks, that is exactly what the this face is <laughs> exuding. I honestly feel bad for having caused it. Um anyway. Yeah. Um, um that's disappointing. Like I, <sighs> So Venom was always like, I was never big into like the Spider-Man comics, but I did watch the Spider-Man, the nineties cartoon. And I always, I always thought that Venom and Carnage, the alien goops with the, with the muscles that destroyed things were cool. And then I thought it was very funny that Venom, the first one just kind of made Venom like a wise cracking parasitic sidekick who had a deep voice and there was like a very funny line in like the first venom where basically venom saying like yeah like the planet came from like it's like you know i was i was kind of a loser and i was like that's hilarious yeah like that's really funny and like yeah the this the venom symbiote character is genuinely pretty funny 
Like there is actually a great scene in that movie. A a legitimate a scene that legitimately had me laughing, not really at the movie, but with it. Wherein so the movie has two conflicts and it kind of has a hard time figuring out how to balance them. So it sort of just drops one and focuses on the other at any given time, uh, which is carnage is a conflict. It's, it's carnage. Uh Oh, and then the other conflict is Eddie Brock and the symbiote get into a fight they get into like a straight up lovers quarrel with each other. And so the symbiote runs out on Eddie out of like Eddie, like really anger and he runs away and like starts taking over other people's bodies, trying to find a new host. And there is a scene where he goes to a rave and takes over the body of one of the ravers. And it's like a costume party kind of everyone's like dressed up in extravagant looks and it's just Venom walking through this like this uh, neon lit uh, costume party, essentially. And of course, the bit is everyone's going up and saying, hey, great costume, man. And it's and Venom starts like having the time of his life at this rave. And there's like he goes up to the to like the house band and takes the microphone from them and is like, I just want to thank all you people for letting me realize that there is a world outside right. of Eddie Brock. And the audience just starts cheering. It's the most insane thing I've ever seen. But yeah. it was so relentlessly charming. Yo, yo Kevin Feige could never. <laughs> right? <laughs> uh, that sounds amazing. There, there is like a weird kind of like, like, like by weird, I don't mean like problematic, but kind of like a, a sort of a very muddy kind of like subtext about like uh, about Venom that like I, I don't really remember the details enough to kind of like make an argument about here, but like that's there, there's a sort of there's something there on the front, like it's just like it's a. Whatever you're getting at, the movie doesn't explore it. Well, yeah, of course not, because, because that's that's the thing is like it's sort of like I, I think it like teeters on the edge of sort of like you know like hey like the venom the venom symbiote complicates one's relation with one's body. I think is kind of the thing, and like the the film never really like venom like the like one thing i remember about the original venom is that like venom is kind of like three different things at once vis-a-vis like that that like thematically like venom is like this weird addiction thing where you like you get shaky and stuff and like but also it's this kind of like yeah you know like this sort of like intimate partner kind of thing and like that gets sort of like weirdly filtered through like the moment where venom like the, the bit in the first movie where venom like possesses or like parasites off of eddie brock's girlfriend and they kiss and it's a sort of like you know this transition of the venom symbiote from eddie brock's girlfriend back to him so there's this kind of like sexuality to venom that like the film that i think these films are not equipped to like actually get into um but it's like what they get is to uh, uh, eddie brock and the symbiote being like a very on the nose like like quipping old couple like that's that's really the long yeah yeah which i mean one i think that's just conceptually hilarious and at least like there's a kind of like i don't know like yeah just like with like the everything about these films like there's a messiness to that that i find kind of charming you know and like and it feels distinct from 
you know name a marvel conflict uh, the the um who are the uh, wolver no um G- thor that took me way too long. That did take <laughs> you way too long. Like a single, I because I wanted to say the new one. What is it? The Immortals with all of them, where they have to fight Galactus. Um, the Eternals. Oh, I don't know. Who cares? Um, but uh-huh. I will. I will say one more thing. We do have to go. We have to go to break in a second. But one thing, real quick. Uh, there. Uh, you want to? This has been a we talked about a lot of sad subjects in this first half of the show and i'm gonna leave on one more uh i watched i went into the trailers for venom 2 and um i i started them right at the beginning there was nine trailers and every single one was for an established ip and that yeah. was a bummer all right well we're gonna go to break and then we're actually gonna talk about some real prestige stuff justin is gonna tell us a bit about his experience watching the pranos and by pranos i mean the so pranos so stick around for that venom 2 is bad check it out <laughs> oh paxton perhaps i should call you by your secret screen name packin paxton 69 hmm? very suspicious very predator like paxton chris hansen here of hansen versus predators and a catcher predator been going through some transcripts gonna need you to have a seat right over there need to ask you a few questions. Why is it that you have a comprehensive knowledge of the age of consent in virtually every state in America? Hmm? And what are you doing with these Mike's Hard Lemonades, White Claws? Hmm? Very suspicious, very predator-like. Anyway, Paxton, gonna need you to start behaving yourself. You don't wanna meet me in a dark kitchen someplace this holiday season. So if you can, well, that'd be good. And if so, Lucas and I would like to not only wish you a very happy birthday, but also a very happy new year. So behave yourself. Remember, I'll be watching, and I'll see you very soon on the TV. All right. You are listening to KUCI 88.9 FM in Irvine. This is Socially Distanced. I am Justin Kiever, and with me is the other host of Socially Distanced, Paxton Wright. How you doing, Paxton? Hey. <laughs> uh, that's a good response. And also I could just hear my cat go right after you said eh. So it's just like, oh, it's, it's as though Fergus is, a, you know, expressing the true expre- severity of your emotions. <laughs> Honestly, yeah, Fergus is kind of on the money. I'm not going to lie. Um, after that yeah. whole, after several of what we've, after really after talking about the Marvel singularity, um, I don't know. My, I've been internally in a really deep state of uh, vague despair that I can't quite articulate, but it's not good. It's not a good feeling. <laughs> um, uh, speaking of despair, and you know, feeling like you're coming in at the end of something. Let's talk about the Sopranos. Um, yeah, so I mean, this is you know, like we're doing our double feast. Uh, my feast lately has been uh, I've never watched the Sopranos before, and then uh, that article came out that was like, why are young people watching the Sopranos? And I was like, I'm still technically young for another year or two, I think. Um, I guess I should also watch the Sopranos. So I started the Sopranos. It's pretty good. 
Yeah. As it turns out, there's, it turns out there's a, you know, it turns out people were into this show for a reason. Yeah. Um, I mean, so the Sopranos is interesting and I mean, there's probably not much to say that hasn't been said about the Sopranos. Right. Um, it's interesting, you know, just for me kind of like going to it because like, there are things that like, I think you kind of inherit, you, you just, because the Sopranos was just such like a cultural touchstone. Like there are things that one kind of knows going into it. For example, I know how it ends. Yeah. Like I, I, you know, I know the way it ends. You can't not know that it ends with like, you know, like a f- incredibly famous cut to black. Um, and you know, like I, uh, I'm sorry, real quick. I, I, I hate mm-hmm. to interrupt real quick. Uh, I just, I know how we're going to end tonight's episode um we are we are going to cut mid-sentence and that's just going to happen yeah. so that's anyway brilliant. there we there we go see I'm, <laughs> galaxy I'm brain I'm stuff right here very excited for that um yeah. and yeah so i mean like you know like i'm aware of that and like the sopranos kind of like comes to serve as the model for sort of like prestige television that like comes later you know like like the you know like you don't have Breaking Bad or Better Better Call Saul without The Sopranos. You don't have like all of HBO's kind of uh, you know prestige stuff without The Sopranos. So there's this way that um, I mean yes, yeah, so there, there's just like all of this weight to this show, which I think is like part of like why I never really touched it before. Was like I I, I kind of like not necessarily wrote it off, but sort of like um you know went like oh right this is the first prestige show like and it's notable for being the first prestige show and so i don't really need to watch it because i know what prestige tv is and which is weird which is i think like you know you know i'm critical of myself for thinking that because i think that's overly dismissive because i mean james gandolfini is great you know like i always had this like appreciation for james gandolfini despite it not really knowing much of his work, you know, I kind of mostly knew him from in the loop and his like performance as like the, the, the sort of, uh, the conniving general, like the both like very affable, but conniving general. Should I watch movie. in the loop? I hear it is very good, but I also haven't uh, heard yes. anyone talk about it in six, seven years. I, I think, uh, yeah, you should. It's good. It's, um, I, I think a kind of, uh, I mean, have you seen Veep? Yes. Okay, I mean it's it's, it's that, also Armando you know. Iannucci, right? It's, yeah, yeah, it's it's yeah. Armando Iannucci. It's um and yeah, it's Veep. Like if you like Veep, you'll like In the Loop. Um, but you know, like, but I think the content of the critique is basically the same. Where like you know Iannucci, like you know, he gives this vision of politics, be it British or American, as like basically driven by pettiness and uh, cowardice. And that's kind of like what the joke is. That is the that is the substance of his critique. And I think it's that way in Veep, and I think it's that way in In the Loop. I think In the Loop has some good jokes, and I think it has, uh, uh, you know, I, I think it is a kind of, uh, I think it hits a little deeper than Veep insofar as like it is actually about a thing. You know, like it's about the advent of the Iraq War, and that kind of like the. the you know, and I think like the, the critique of this sort of like the, the pettiness and superficiality of, poli- of like the, the political system hits a little uh, more in the context of the Iraq war than it doesn't than it doesn't Veep, where Veep is basically just a show about like a fictional Hillary Clinton. Yeah. 
Um, so yeah, anyway, so yes, probably. Uh, yeah. And you have James Gandolfini being like very fun in V. There you go. Uh, and so, you know, and that, you know, that's worth watching and that dovetails well, not, you know, very nicely with, uh, Hey, Sopranos, I watched, I watched the first season and I'm making my way through it. It's quite good. I kind of like, I don't know what to say because I'm very like self-conscious about like, um, like I'm just very self-conscious about saying anything about it because again, I haven't finished it. Like this has been a huge thing for so many years and like, I'm like relatively ignorant. So I don't want to It's like, how say do you- much how do you analyze a show that is like the most analyzed show ever for the past 20 years? Yeah. It's, it's, it's hard to even come at it with a new unique take, which I think is why so much of what it, the way it is analyzed now, I mean, it's not really, it's just people saying gabagool. That's really the, the long and short of how people it's, talk about The Sopranos now. I'll say it's deeply funny that the that the strip club is named Bada Bang. Bada, it's, it's hysterical. It's very and, funny. It's a very funny it's show. It's a hilarious show. Okay, it's really here's, funny. Here's one thing I should give my context with The Sopranos too. So I actually first watched, and I'm going to flex a little bit. I want to say I was way ahead of the curve on The Sopranos. I started watching The Sopranos in middle school. So still after it had ended... It was a couple years after the finale, but way before all these these rapscallions on TikTok started saying Gabagool. I was, I was so just don't you forget it. Don't you forget I'm one of the semi OGs. But uh, I started watching it back in middle school. Obviously, at that time, most of the subtext was lost on me. I did not really see that it was a like a critique on like conservative boomers in America like that was that was lost on me the nuance of tony's character was completely lost i watched it because it had guns and it had breasts and you know what that's really all i needed in those days (sighs) um and i i will say back in yeah like eighth grade i really started co-opting italian american culture (laughs) Um, i started wearing wife beaters I started I started going to my local Italian delicatessen after school and I am not making this up. I did not realize that the character's slang for food was mm-hmm. like supposed to be like quote unquote like guido slang like kind of like you know th- it wasn't authentic italiano i thought they were speaking real italian so i would go to the deli as an eighth grader and ask for a half pound of gabagool i would ask for prosciutto i would ask for mozzarella i would (laughs) it was really quite a look man but uh no that show's great and then i rediscovered then i rewatched it in late high school and it started to gravitate with, it started to resonate with me a lot more. There was still, again, a lot I wasn't quite able to grasp at that point in my life, but I was able to appreciate it more for what it was. And then I rewatched it again a couple years after that, little ways into college. Uh, at that point, started to get into it a lot. I didn't rewatch the whole thing. I watched like the first two seasons. And then near the end of 2019, I rewatched it all again. And that is really like when the show all like clicked what it was um so i've had a i've had a long history with that show um but no it's pretty it's pretty perfect 
barring the wildly embarrassing writing for people of color on that show jeez and crow that is that that if you ever if you could ever picture the faces of a writer's room it's the sopranos like yeah i um, I know what everyone in that room looked like oh yeah everyone in that room was real white um yeah and it seems like uh one i've heard that like the 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 film that kind of like you know re that got everyone talking about the sopranos again to a certain extent sort of like attempts to kind of do some reparative work and fails to do so is my understanding of the the sopranos film that came out recently um because when it comes because these people just cannot write people of color (laughs) um so yeah um so that you know pretty substantial problem aside um uh which feels it feels bad to brush aside uh yeah it's um yeah like so like part of um so like yeah like i wasn't kidding at the at the the top of the episode which i think where i think i said like yeah i saw that one article in the uh actually new york times and it was like oh yeah i should watch the sopranos um was uh yeah yeah no like that that was honestly like kind of like reading like i skimming what i skimmed that article and going like yeah this seems like a thing that i should watch you know um like they're you know uh the you know of the streaming content that is like about decline and uh you know uh uh Sorry, I'm trying to think of a Squid Game connection here. Um, you know, uh, basically between Squid Game and The Sopranos, in terms of like thinking about kind of like the decline of the world, I picked The Sopranos to watch. Um, yeah, yeah, it's a. Uh, I watched the first like you know couple couple minutes of Squid Game. It seemed fine. I'll, I'll watch more of it later. Um, but yeah, there was um. So one thing that was like kind of like I think weird, like when I read the um like the the new york times piece which you know which i'll say like the, here I'll, I'll give you the kind of like the, the the header and subheader for it and the header being why is every young person in america watching the sopranos um and then it says after that the show's new audience is also seeing something different in it a parable about a country in terminal decline the thing that was like a little weird to me from the jump actually starting the sopranos is like that's kind of like right there in the text yeah like that it's is not, like it's like it's not ahead. deep it's not deeply layered um, like it's not yeah that's not new like like literally like one of the first lines is that thing that i paraphrased at the top of this segment which is like you know i've always learned like it's tony saying like a uh you know like the main character saying something to the effect of you know, I always learned it was best to get in, you know, at the beginning of something. I, and I feel like I've come in at the ending yeah. and like, that's like, that's right there. You know, like that's, that, that is the feeling that the Sopranos is expressing. And it's the feeling that I think like a lot of, you know, that, yeah, like a, a lot of young people are like living with uh very, you know, like that a lot of young people are feeling very acutely, you know, like we, you know, read stories about like, Hey, climate change is, real and irreversible at this point you know that uh the sort of the prosperity that um 
you know, like the, the prosperity that we're sort of like, you know, the like millennials were like born into in, in like the nineties, like that sort of like that era is not coming back. Um, like that sense of things is like what the show was like already expressing in the two thousands. And that's not new, you know, it's just like that, that like that, that it's, that it's a show with a kind of uh, with like all this, this kind of like, you know, this, this like cultural resonance because it is like the model for like the, the, the prestige kind of a uh, genre, if you will. Um, but also that it's like, you know, it's very explicitly about these things that like people are seeing in it that, that, you know, is all that was always there. So yeah, it's weird because like, it was like, and that was the, the soundtrack too, is literally like songs about, about destruction and decline living yeah. on a thin line by the kinks was mm-hmm. it uh uh world world destruction the song world destruction is featured is like a major <laughs> featured song in one of the episodes yeah like like it's it was also, a very good year by sinatra every mm-hmm. like half the songs used on that show are all about the end of days or an end of something also, let, let me let me quickly interject. Every needle drop, it's just like like raw reactions from you know reaction like live to someone who's watching the show for the first time. Every needle drop is good. Like it's wild how good the needle drops are mm-hmm. in the show. Like like the the white rabbit needle drop like early on with like the like the Prozac thing, and it's the, not used in a way that is contrived, which I didn't know was possible know, for that I know, song. Right? Like that's the thing. Like the thing is wild. It's like it's not contrived because it, it also becomes this like it's like the, it's like a fixation for like he's thinking about the song as the context of that, and like you know you're like thinking like nostalgically thinking about that, and that's you know that's that's wild for that song not to just be like a sort of like not to be just kind of like a the, the shorthand for like a drug trip or like something wonky or something right because i feel yeah. like that's the way that song's used because it's perfect for it um but yeah like the, the mazzy star like you know needle drop at the end of like episode four oh, yeah, is yeah. amazing like man it's just it's really good it's yeah so so yeah i don't know like there is a kind of um like yeah like again it's one of those things where like it feels weird to give my impressions this late you know but but yeah like i'm just like i'm very pleasantly kind of not surprised but just like you know i'm very happy to find that it's one a very funny show that it's like there's a kind of just like a just a real competency to like how it's structured that like all of these kind of like themes that are like resonating with people are just kind of like right there you know it's not people like there's a lot of like weird sort of uh, like one thing that i like that the new york times article kind of gets into a bit is um uh you know like the, like the sort of like the 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 fact that like there's like sort of like people post like leftist memes about the sopranos and like you know and there's a kind of like a counter to that about like hey it's kind of cringe to it's kind of cringy to like post leftist memes featuring the Sopranos. Cause like, it's a show about like the decline of America, but it's not like a left-wing show, you know, like it's a sort of, yeah. Like it's yeah. yeah. Well, have you gotten to the Columbus day episode yet? No, I've, I've read some headlines about mm, the Columbus day episode. Apparently being wanna... like famously very bad. It is. I, I, 
many people say it's the worst episode of the show. I don't know that I'd quite say it's the worst. The worst is probably the one where Ben Kingsley plays himself. You'll get there when you get there. Um, huh. But that's a really terrible one. In fact, the one where Ben Kingsley plays himself and the one where John Favreau plays himself, both of which feature Christopher going to L.A. and both of which are very, very bad. Uh, the John Favreau one at least has some funny moments, but neither here nor there. Point being, uh, the Columbus Day episode, when you want to talk about The Sopranos not necessarily being a leftist show, uh, that uh, that'll seal that deal for you. Because the approach that episode takes, just as a brief, brief, brief rundown of the plot, um, it's Columbus Day. And uh, a a Native American organization is uh, holding an anti-Columbus rally uh, in uh, in New Jersey, and the Italians, including obviously our wacky gang of miscreants, uh, go in there to for a counter protest. The protest turns bloody, and it becomes this whole discussion on white colonialism and who was Columbus, blah, blah. And ultimately the thesis the episode comes up with is essentially boiled down to, well, Christopher Columbus means something different to everybody is like really what that show is trying to communicate. It's like, no, 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 no. You swing and a miss, swing and a miss guys. You were right there. Not quite. Uh, <laughs> he's oh, a symbol. Wow. <laughs> like that. It's definitely i don't know if i'd say the worst episode it's definitely the most tone deaf that absolute <laughs> although i will give it one thing which is uh montel williams plays himself in it and that really mm. makes you feel like you're watching an episode of a show from 2003 um <laughs> so there's that oh boy i'll say like i'm i'm finding all of like the uh the italian pride stuff like deeply amusing like like I, I think it's just real goofy like it feels very um i i don't even know how to put it oh god it just but that's the thing is like like uh, like you described the columbus day thing and i'm kind of shocked that that is like unironically the thesis because like all of the sort of like italian pride stuff like there's it, i feel like it kind of like veers back and forth between like a kind of like a real exploration of identity and just like goofing yeah like and i think that like and i think that it kind of like i think i think that it handles that pretty well generally where like you know there's this sort of like like there's the, there's this kind of like a discussion of identity that is like filtered through that it, that it, i think is kind of like filtered through in a sort of like you know sometimes knowing so often unknowing way like through the character's whiteness and like how they you know both do and do not identify with that and how that it kind of doesn't matter that they don't identify with that but also sometimes it does and like yeah. i think it i think it's like generally you know it's not go this characters of color but it's like been pretty good at like navigating that so far so like hearing that like that's like what they do for columbus day is like it's very disappointing weirdly, it's very weirdly out of touch how they approach it compared to ex exactly as you said how they've approached the characters own relationships to whiteness and their heritage in general because the fact like again when you talk about the show goofing with it like 
some of the some of the highest forms of comedy on that show are when Tony or whoever tries to use uh, being Italian as a like uh, tries to rather um, play like victim to an oppressor because they're Italian, like trying to like 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 a desperate attempt to put themselves back in a victim bottom of the food chain position that their ancestors were 90 years ago like for the for the sake of for the sake of creating a narrative in their own head i think for more reasons than one but largely for the sake of creating a narrative in their own heads of like look how far we've come despite the world being against us when in fact it's like no 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 the world's let you into the party a long time ago. Like, you, and you know that, but it doesn't serve your narrative right now. So you're not going with that. Yeah. And like, and that kind of like that, that also goes into like the one thing that like, I'm really, that I think is really fascinating about the show as well is like, Oh, like this is a show that is like completely all in on like, Hey, the gangsters have seen the gangster movies and they like understand their own lives through the lens of like gangster movies. And like, because I think that's really fascinating. And I think also like one of the ways that like the show remains really relevant is like a thing that it seems like we do a lot of now as people in America is kind of like, you know, filter our lives through media representations and we're, we're getting like weirdly more and more literal about that to, to a certain extent. And so like seeing all of these characters kind of like, like, like I just got to the, um, okay. Well, there are like certain like bits of the show that I've been like really excited to get to one of which is like the, the conversation of, uh, I can't remember the name of the character, Polly, I think who asked like, you know, do you ever feel like nothing good was ever going to happen to you? And like the guy responds, nothing ever did. So what? Yeah. <laughs> like I've been, I've been looking forward to getting to that line. Cause I've seen people post that. And like that happens in a conversation about, I, I, again, I think that character's name is Polly. I'm bad with names. Polly's the one with the white wings in his hair. And oh, I okay, believe no. Polly is um, the one who says nothing did. Okay. So who is the, who's the person that he's talking to then? I want to say, is it Christopher? Christopher. Yeah. Maybe Christopher. Christopher. Okay. Okay. Christopher. Like you know, he, he then kind of like says, you know, like, you know, I want to have an arc. Yeah. And oh, that's kind of like, yeah. And then, yeah. And then like there, there there's this kind of the, the, the conversation that kind of happens after that is like, well, you know, like uh, basically some people failing to tell him that arcs is not the way that life happens. Right. You know, like, we're like, like they're, they're kind of, I feel like they're trying to get that across just sort of like, Hey, you know, like whatever I'm alive, I'm surviving. Mm-hmm. And like, they're, they're telling him that real life doesn't have arcs and they're doing it in the exact wrong way. Right. You know? And like, that is, that's fascinating. Yeah. What is it? Hesh, Hesh is like, yeah. His like final line to him when he's like really trying to decide of the story, just goes, you know who had an arc? Noah, and then he walks out of yeah. the room. <laughs> like, yeah, and not quite, man. It's like you're not quite getting there. And, and I mean, that's like that also like the thing, right? It's like it's really, um, uh, it's fascinating. Like, what is like, uh, you know, uh, what like what can't be talked about? Like, it feels very old fashioned. Like, they can't, like you know, like they like a central conflict is like you know tony can't admit that he's like in therapy you know like that like well we get him and it's just kind of like hey you know 
20 if sopranos was started airing in 2021 who let me tell you therapy would be fine you know but like but like they, they can't talk about that but like there's there's but the thing you know like some of the specifics feel like weirdly feel kind of dated but also like you know true to the era more or less but also like antiquated like intentionally antiquated because like you know it's an antiquated code that these guys have um but like but yeah like you know the, the inability to kind of like actually name what the problems people are facing are and like the inability to like talk about like like the inability to like actually deal with these things in any kind of productive way is like really interesting and the fact that yeah and again to kind of like to 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 stress like i think it is really fascinating that like that yeah like it's a show i mean it's a show about shows like it's so it's so reflexive and the this kind of like you know how to how do you not understand yourself but through like the representations of what you're supposed to be and apparently that was a sort of like an effect that the sopranos had on like the real life mob which was like oh i would think so like, like, I think that was the thing was like, they, they sort of, I remember hearing once that uh, basically the mom was like, oh, oh, we can, we can be like running, we can be like laundering money through like strip clubs instead of like, just like delis. Why aren't, why aren't we doing that? <laughs> and like, um, yeah. And, and like, and, but that's sort of the, which is the exact phenomenon that the Sopranos is kind of like not critiquing, but kind of like just pointing out, which is just sort of like at a certain point, you know, you understand yourself through like the, the myths of, you know, mass media. And isn't that weird? Um, and yeah, I'm, I'm looking forward to see kind of like what the show continues to do with that. Yeah. Um, uh, it, it only, it only builds from there. I will say one thing I will awesome. tell you season mm-hmm. two, there's no such thing as a bad season in that show. Season two is the weakest season okay. two has the most filler is what I'll say. Okay. It, it has the most kind of, it meanders for a large portion of it, but then the end is it really wins you back with its finale. Season two okay. wins you back with its finale. And then it doesn't slow down after that. So just right. know that going in. Also one other thing I just got thinking about completely irrelevant to anything else. Um, remember a couple of years ago, when the boss of i want to say it was the colombo crime family got shot in his front yard and killed by some like by some kid and everyone thought it was like a whacking or it was going to be the start of like some new some new war but it turned out the kid was just like was like deep in the QAnon wormhole mm-hmm. yeah, yeah yeah i remember this what, yes. whatever happened there what's going on with that kid i probably got it probably in prison that kid. probably yeah probably anyway that was interesting huh. it was and i think that's kind of like speaking of the decline of america and the mob <laughs> you, you know honestly if the sopranos is on now that would be a plot line right because that would be because that would be the new media representation thing right like it would just be like the, like the warping of the minds of the american population by the internet is that you know there's a cut to black when Tony gets, you know, murdered by a, a guy that thinks he's, you know, trafficking children outside, like out of a pizza restaurant or whatever. Oh God, Justin, this episode is making me so tired. <laughs> I'm so tired, Justin. I think we need to end it here. Yeah, okay, let's cut it off there. All then. right. Listen to the night.